You are listening to the Thinking Effect podcast with Osho Green and Lillian Kriegler. This computer. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 32 of the Thinking Effect podcast. And today we have a special guest, Sally Palmer, who will inspire you with her story on how she pushes the boundaries of our education system. Hello, Sally. How are you? Hi, Ardell. I'm doing well. How are you today? I'm wonderful. Really excited to be talking with you today and to share your wonderful, the wonderful work that you do with our audience. So let's start Thank by, you. Um, can you introduce yourself to our listeners? Yes, I can. Uh, so my name is Sally. I am a preschool teacher, have been for a very long time, also a parent. My son was in Head Start, and so he was a preschool teacher. Um, when he was in preschool, I did a lot of volunteer work, and I'm also the grandmother of, of two beautiful kids. And so I've been able to, through the years, to see the difference in, is in how children have learned some of the differences and some of the same things for the past 30-some years. Oh, wow. I can't believe you're a grandmother. <laughs> yes, 8 and 11. That is amazing. So, Sally, I heard... Um, some of your stories, which are amazing. And I want you to share with us what motivated you to teach differently? Why did you decide to um, go about it different than the usual ways of teaching? Well, you know, that that's a pretty interesting one. Like I said, I started off kind of at the bottom. I worked my way up to, I didn't start off as a teacher. So early on, when I was an, a teacher aide, a teacher assistant, I watched or helped implement some of the standardized testing. And that was my, my first experience where I was disappointed. I was so sad for the children because the children would take these tests and right from the beginning, you could see after three, four questions, they already looked defeated. And, and it, made me, it made me very sad for the children and it made me very angry with the system. And so that I didn't, I didn't like that. And then just so watching that, I wanted to do better when I got to be a teacher. And then watching when I did move up into, into teaching and I had my own classroom, I watched the children. I do try to observe very closely. And I saw the way that they really learned. So I saw the way they learned. I looked at all, they gave me all these books and I read the books. Okay, they're supposed to know all these vocabulary words. They're supposed to do this. So I got the whole list and everything. And then I brought, brought back to, well, okay, I remember when they took these tests and they asked them all these questions that they couldn't answer. And evidently nobody was teaching it or not oh, wow. teaching it in a way that they remember. So I wanted to teach them. I wanted to teach them. I wanted them to be successful. I wanted them to feel like, see, I live in the inner city. So in the city, a lot of our children give up. They give up early. They see a lot of things that maybe they shouldn't see, or they're not getting the things that they should be getting in, in education. And sometimes we have people that come in and they say, oh, these, these poor inner city kids, they have all these troubles at home and they can't learn but they can. I'm from here too. I, I come from here. I come from where I teach. And so, and I figure I, I did pretty well. I think <laughs> I was successful and I wanted to help them too. So I said, you know what, I'm going to teach them the way they learn. I'm going to teach them the things that they need to know, but not in the standardized way by making them sit there. Okay. We're not going to sit down and you have to learn this, this, and this. We're not teaching to the test. So I didn't do it that way. I, I wanted to do it. That's where we're going to. I guess I should have let you ask the question. <laughs> no, no, that is fine. That is fine. I love your story. So, so, all right. So you notice that something obviously is, is wrong within our system and there are many yes. issues within our education system. And, and 
people are giving up. It seems like our education system is giving up on some of our children, which is shocking. And so what, what strategies and tools have you decided to use? How did you do it differently with your own students? So some of the things I did, like I said, I watched how they learn. And so kids, I believe I'm a big proponent of experiential learning. So I saw my kids. So, okay, you know, kids just naturally like to go move. So you take them outside and, oh, they're always trying to make holes in the ground and they're throwing rocks. Well, okay, instead of doing these things, let's go out here and see how what we can do when you dig the holes. What's in the hole? I bought shovels. I bought child-sized shovels for my students. And then I was able to get a few more of them donated. So I had a lot of them. So the kids were out there digging holes and they're having a good time. Oh, let's see what's in there. Oh, you found rocks. You found bugs. What kind of bugs are there? Oh, look, some of them have eight legs. Some of them have six legs. That means these are insects. These are arachnids. Right there, you're putting the vocabulary words in for them so that they're learning these words that they need to know. And like I said, they're excited and then they want to know more. Then we go back inside. I might write it on the board. Oh, look, let's see what we found. You found a spider. Let's write that up, SBI. And they're going, oh, how do you write that? I want to write that. Well, let's go make a picture about the spider. So they'll make a picture and then they want to write the words. So in these, when I first started, it was only three-year-olds. My three-year-olds were learning to write words. That's they were amazing. learning to read these words because they were excited. They wanted to know things. And the same thing with the digging. And when they're digging and they're doing these things, so they're learning colors, they're counting, they're learning vocabulary words, they're getting motor skills, they're developing strength in their hands so that they can't, when it comes time to write, they can write because it's not average for three-year-olds to, to write their name, but they can do it because they're developing strength and they're doing things. And there are so many ways that you can give them. And like I said, the biggest thing is you want them to be excited. Absolutely. You, know? you want them to be engaged. Yes. Yes. And when, when, they're, when I'm engaged and they're engaged, then the learning will come naturally. They will do it. But sometimes you have to kind of prompt them because there might be things that they need to know They've never experienced these things, so they don't know what they need to know. So I've started doing things like growing because they're going, where does our food come from? You just go to the store and you get your food. Oh, there's another one. Let's grow some green beans. Let's grow green beans in the classroom. So I would grow green beans. Then they're going, well, where do potatoes come from? Oh, okay. Potatoes are under the ground. We talked about all the words for that and different kinds of potatoes. And... The green beans grow on the, you know, above the ground. So we're growing these things. I grew herbs. So now you're getting the sensory involved and they're smelling that they ate all my oregano and <laughs> all of those things, <laughs> my basil, but they're smelling the plants. They're picking the leaves up. They're, they're learning. So by doing all of these things, all, like I said, all these experiences and then all of these nature activities, I was very excited about it. I said, you know what? They're getting so much from the nature. And I started bringing in animals. Like I said, I had baby goats one time. I got a little bit of trouble for that. The principal wasn't happy that we had them. But can I you tell us what, a bit more bit? about about that? Because I know some teachers might be concerned of about pushing the boundaries of the system and and breaking the status quo because they might be concerned about how the administ administrator are going to respond, whether they'll get into trouble. So can you share with us this story? I can't. Well, I can. And the whole reason, and I've, like I said, I live in the city, so normally I would not have baby goats just laying around where I could grab them. But it happened that my son was in 4-H at the time where the kids learn about agriculture and they learn about a number of different things. And so his 4-H his 4-H leader, the teacher, she lived out in the country and it just happened that she had a goat that had babies that would not nurse the babies. 
And so I was able to bring them in and I kept them for one week in my classroom. And at that time I had an AM class and an afternoon class. Each class was there a couple hours, about three and a half hours. And so they would come to school and they would get to bottle feed these babies, these little kids. And we, of course, we taught them the words about these are kids, your kids, but you're not really kids, you're children. These are actual kids. And so they got to bottle feed the kids and those, those goats house trained the first day. They came in, they bottle fed, they ran down the ramp, went to the playground, used the bathroom, ran right back up. And after the first time, some people, because I was out in a modular unit at the time I was doing that. I wasn't in the main school building. So I was able to do a lot of things without the principal knowing. <laughs> and I didn't ask permission. I was a new teacher. So I just said, well, I didn't know. So I brought them in. and But the teachers started bringing their class for, their classes out to my room for field trips. That's amazing. And the principal wanted, yeah, it was great because the whole building got to come out and see the babies. But the principal wanted to know why everybody was coming to my classroom. <laughs> <laughs> why are you so popular? <laughs> right. Why are, why are all the kids coming out to your room? So she, she wasn't very thrilled. But by that time, it was the last day and they were going home anyway. So it, it didn't matter. But, it, you know, I, I, I did have permission. I hatched baby chickens. And that was such a great thing because when we hatched the chicks, I not only had the students engaged in the students' attention, and I mean, we did counting and we had to watch the humidity and the temperature. So they were getting all these scientific words and with the temperature, and they were learning the numbers and, and all these different, all these great things. And the parents, I had so many parent volunteers over oh, the wow. course of those 18 to 21 days for those chicks to hatch. And the parents would come in and they would lean over that incubator and sit there half the day and wait for those chicks to hatch. They were, I think, more excited than the children. And I had parents going, Wow, we didn't know chicks really come out of eggs. Well, yes, they do. They wow. come there. And so not only were my students learning, my parents were learning. And then when they took the kids home, they were engaged in these conversations. That and so now amazing. you have parents interested. In, right. And when parents are interested, kids are that much more interested. Because if this is important to mom and dad, it must be an important thing to learn. And I want to know more about it, too. Absolutely. It's so important to involve the parents within the school community. So how did you yes. go about it? How did you um, involve the parents? What did you do to encourage them to be part of the learning experiences at school? Well, you know, part of that, some of that is just even, you always send out a newsletter. And I would always put in my newsletters, these are the things we're learning. These are what we talk about. And I make the point of, of building relationships with my families. I don't just work with students. I work with families. And so I talk to the families and I make sure that they understand what I'm doing and what's going on in my room and why we're doing it. And I always invite them and encourage them, please come in, spend some time, come see what we're doing. Here's the things your child is learning when we do this. Yeah. So I'm telling, because I, I always tell my parents, your children will get very dirty in my classroom. Please <laughs> don't put them on their good clothes because they will probably, they're not gonna be just dirty. They might be muddy. They might be filthy. I let them put water in the ground. They get their feet muddy. We might take off our shoes and put them in the mud. There's no telling what might happen because it's all around the children's interest, which Absolutely. is a whole other thing. I talk to the kids about what they like, what they're interested in. And I make a little list and I put it over in the corner of my board and I refer back to that throughout the year and talk to them and okay, well, what should we learn next? And what should we learn next? And so again, they have input into that. Absolutely. So what I'm hearing from you that you make sure to engage the whole community. So it's a journey, mm -hmm. not just of your students and yourself, the parents are part of the journey, the families are part of the journey. And as educator, we need to make an effort to bring them along 
and to take part in this journey. Absolutely, absolutely. And the last classroom I was in, not only was I, not only did we have families involved, because you know, over COVID, things got to be, be really bad and we couldn't have families in the classroom. So we no longer had that opportunity to, to get them into the classroom to feel engaged. And we needed something to, to make them feel like they were part of it because parents were, were very resentful that they couldn't come in and be part of their children's education because normally this is their first experience, the first time they're letting these babies away from them. So I would do different things like, okay, let's do an outs because we couldn't come inside. Let's do an outside activity. I would get some things together. Okay, I might put two tables outside because we can't have everybody here at one time. Let's put two tables out and put some nature crafts outside. You can get things like sticks or stones and leaves, whatever things you like. You might sit here and I put all the other stuff they need, maybe some cardboard for them to glue it onto as a base and all the things they needed and come out and you can sign up for a time. So we will stay outside the whole day. If it's a good day, we'll stay outside and you can go to this table and you can do a craft activity with your child. And then we would put them up and display, display them in the windows facing out. So not that only did our family see them, but the other children, as they were walking back and forth to their classrooms, they could see that and it encouraged them also. Um, I invited, I got flowers donated. And so a lot of times, like the first day of school, again, my parents couldn't come in. Instead, I invited them, would you like to plant a flower with your child? We can, we're gonna do the border of the classroom. Here, come out here, here's the tools, here's everything you need plant some flowers, and then the kids would go out and they would help me water them. So eventually I got the whole neighborhood. The neighborhood started giving me things. Like I said, I got, because again, my children couldn't go out on the playground with the other kids because they were afraid that they would get COVID by touching uh, things out there. So I had nothing. We just had a grassy area. So yeah. I said, well, you know what? I've always wanted to build a pollinator garden. So I got all kinds of things donated. We built the pollinator garden. I got so in that way, a lot of the, the community members were, were there. Sometimes parents would come and help me shovel. Um, people around the community gave me flowers to put in, in our garden. I got, we got dirt donated. So somebody came in from the community, that lived in the community, came and smoothed it all out so we didn't have big holes in the ground anymore where it wouldn't be as muddy. So we just progressed from there. We, we were able to get so many things built. And, this is and beautiful. It was, just, it, it was it wonderful. This is beautiful. And I want to dig uh, deeper into how you involve the broader community and how do you get them to donate things? Because, you know, obviously all we tight on budget, right? When we work within the school system. And so many teachers will struggle to find the funding to purchase different things and so they can provide these experiences for their students. So can you share how you can go about involving the broader community, get donation, get what you need from um, people um, around the school area? You know, I, I'm, I'm not sure how and how that works out. I think probably persistence and maybe they get tired of hearing me call them. <laughs> but I've always I've always done that, even again, from the first year I was a teacher and I had, say, a child that didn't have a coat. And so there are different places around the city that have the giveaway things if you know who to call. So I call some of these organizations, look, I'd, I'd call them up and I'd say, look, my name is Ms. Palmer. This is where I work. I have a child, they need a coat. When can I come and get it? And they would give it to me, you know, And but, my, but the people, sometimes the people that that was their job to do that would say, well, how did you do that? They want the parents to come. They wanted to bring birth certificates and social security numbers and proof of income. I say, I don't know. I called them, I said, this is who I am and I want this and I'm coming to get it. And they, they would give it to me. <laughs> it's all about your confidence. I love it. 
you know, and, but that, that's like local organizations, but I did things, they said some of the stuff was very expensive, like truckloads of dirt. I looked, I said, okay, I need dirt. I need topsoil. So I went through the list. I Googled and to see who in my area, how many different places had dirt, the landscaping, all the landscaping places and, and those kind of things. I made a list and I called them. And if they, oh, I'm sorry, Ms. Palmer, we'll have to have somebody call you back. If I didn't hear from them, I called them back. Who did you say the supervisor is? Let me call them and speak to them directly. And before I knew it, I had two truckloads of dirt. Then I was calling one of the one of the stores. Okay, the people that have the big equipment, because I got tired. I tried to move all that dirt with a wheelbarrow, and I got very tired. So, yeah, yeah, it's a lot of wheelbarrows. <laughs> yeah, but I kept calling the store and asking them if they would donate the equipment so that we could spread it out. And then the one lady, she said, "You know what?" She said, "I have a brother that lives right there." in that area. She said, here's his phone number. I called him. He said, no problem. He came over. He smoothed it all out for us. Wow. So this is so amazing. They, you know, and, and so many people in the community were, were involved, but I think a big part of it is that they saw me. They saw me out there after school hours, an hour, maybe it's an hour, maybe two hours. I was out there on Saturday and they're going, aren't you the teacher? Yes. Why are you here on Saturday? Because I love my students. Well, can we, we have flowers. Do you want some flowers for your garden? We have this. Do you want that? And even when the older kids, as you know, sometimes the older kids get a little rambunctious with things when you're doing, because it's a public school. Yeah. And so you can't stop people from coming there. And there was a day that I, so I built this, I built a bridge to make it start. I built a bridge out of, um, out of different wood because I wanted my kids to be able to go to the bridge and, and have experiences. And we put the big tarp under so they could pretend to fish. So I did that, but while I was in the process of building it, I could see that the boys had been out there with their bikes and some of my things wasn't holding up because it wasn't completed. So I happened to be there on a weekend and I saw the, I saw the kids and I said, well, oh, I'm so happy that you're out here watching over my playground. And they're like, oh, I knew that they weren't. I knew that they were coming to do other things, but they said, oh, you're happy? I said, yeah, I'm so happy that you're here because with you being watching over everything, I know it won't get destroyed. <laughs> and, I, and I explained to them how important it was for the little kids because they didn't have anything to play with. And they're like, that's, oh, that's, and they did. They said, yeah, that's what we're doing. We're going to watch it for you all the time. Then they want to know, can we help you? Great. Come on and help me. Let's dig some dirt. And they helped me move dirt. They helped me move rocks. And the one little boy said, oh, the screw's coming out of your wheelbarrow. Can I fix it for you? Yeah, go ahead. And so from that point on, I would see them out there all the time. And they would come back and they'd talk to me and they'd tell me there were some kids out here and they were going to do stuff, but we told them they couldn't do that. So, oh, wow. so they felt ownership and the whole community around the neighborhood, they took ownership in that area and it, and it stayed, it stayed nice. Like I said, people donated, people helped. And it, it makes such a difference when you work with the community. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it seems to me, well, firstly, I love your passion, dedication, love, uh, and energy that you, um, invest in, in your students and your teaching. And it seems to me like you just need to have the confidence to ask, to ask for what you need, for what you're... Exactly, just ask. Yeah, and people will be happy to help. I mean, many of them will be happy to help. It's just a matter of asking them, telling them, I need this and that. Can you please help? Absolutely. And you will get some no's. There will be people that tell you no, but that's okay. Just yeah. move on to the next one. And you may not get what you need today, but that don't mean you won't get it next week. Absolutely. So Absolutely. You need to raise that awareness. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and you need to raise awareness within your community. So we spoke a lot about uh, the outdoor space, and you shared a lot about what you've done within the outdoor space um, at your school. But what about if teachers don't have that uh, ability to use an outdoor space? What can they do within the classroom, which will provide their student that um, learning through experiences um, environment? You know, and I'm aware that there are so many people that don't even that don't have really any outdoor space that's usable to them. But there's so much that you can still do inside. Like I said, I have little ones, so it's very easy for me. Like I said, I can I have. You see my baskets and everything back here. I put things in baskets. I might have stones and shells. Every time I go someplace, I pick up rocks and I bring them back for the kids and they learn science. They paint them with water and they look at the colors and things like that. But like I said, you can grow plants inside. I always have plants. And even with older kids, even if you don't have the little ones like I do, middle school kids, high school kids, you can still have plants. You can still have somebody that helps you take care of them. If you're reading certain books, because often it's not the same as me. I get to decide pretty much what books I want to do. If you have a novel that you're required to read, you can look it through the novel and pick out different experiences that relate to something the kids might do. Maybe you can take that. Maybe you can't, if you can't take them outside and look at those things, you could have them maybe go someplace else, or you can bring things in yourself, bring in natural materials, let them do art, bring in natural materials, let them make a diorama of something that's going into 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 their pro, you know, for their project, but something that's going on in their book. Yeah. And there's there's so many things that you can do. Like I said, even with the older ones, a couple of us have have spoke about those kind of things. How you can do that, even adult learners. There's things. There's natural things you can have in your classroom that are calming. Very often, the natural world is calming. And if you see over here, like I have my my fake tree over here beside me <laughs> that it's, it's a christmas tree but it's not a christmas tree it's it's a tree and i will and i do use things like that in my classroom as a prop and the owls are in there yeah. but it stimulates conversation and again if you're reading a book i don't know you might have kids that are reading huckleberry finn i don't know if that's one of the band of books right now or not or something <laughs> like that and so they're they're talking about the, about all these different experiences and you can have them help bring it to life Yes, absolutely. Bring it to life for them inside the classroom by doing, like I said, building. Maybe they're going to build a boat. Yeah. Maybe they can build a small boat out of, out of natural materials and different things. Yeah, it's all as, up to your creative is. thinking, I guess. As, as a teachers, think creatively about what can you do to create different experiences. And, and, and you're right, you don't ha- need to have a lot of materials, for example. You can also create experiences that involve um, moving around, using their bodies to um, express themselves in different ways. We act things. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, Even my little, I've done it with little ones and I've done it with older ones where they act, we act out plays. We make, or we might take, have a story and we assign everybody characters and they, they act out the book. Yeah. But, but again, if you want to do it with materials, let them make some of their own things. Let them talk about it. Let them tell you what it means to them and get ideas from from what they see. Absolutely. From what their experience is. Absolutely. Let them lead their learning. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Abs- well, they learn so much more when when they do, when they lead. I agree with you. And Sally, I want to ask you what advice can you give to teachers who want to push the boundaries of our education system but are unsure how to go about it? How can they start? What are the first steps that they can do? First easy steps to push the boundaries and provide the students with a better learning environment. 
You know, there's so many things you can do. I don't recommend to everybody to start off with baby goats, <laughs> but, <laughs> of there, course. <laughs> but there, there are little things. And like I said, as a new teacher, again, sometimes you can push a little bit because you can claim ignorance and say you didn't know. But there are so many small things you can do. Like I said, I, I told you I'm a big proponent of, of nature learning and having natural items in the classroom. And like I said, big ones all down, all the way down, you can bring in, you can have natural things that are free. When you go, you go for a walk around your neighborhood, you can bring in rocks. Yeah. You can, you might find a feather. If you're living in the city, oh, you might have some pigeon feathers. You might have a disinfectant, put it out there before the kids have that experience. But the sensory experiences start, just start small. Start small with, with little things, see what happens and, and work your way up and into other things. And like I said, the curriculum doesn't have to, to be your enemy. I have so often the people say, oh, but the curriculum says, well, I know, and I don't always like the curriculum either. But again, if you look through the curriculum and see what kind of things, there's often a space, okay, the curriculum says I have to read this book and I don't like this book and I want to do some experiences. Then get something that relates back to that. You, you might have 15, 20 minutes of time where you can sit here and you can bring this other experience in. Because I know that's something a lot of teachers will feel like, oh, no, no, I can't because everything is, is written right here. I have to do all these. But, you know, I started just before we got on here, I was thinking back to when I was in. I had the same teacher for second, third grade. So we and we had a very prescribed curriculum at that time, too. So we had all the books that we were supposed to read. But she would take sometimes even five minutes. We had a few minutes in between to transition. She would read The Wizard of Oz to us. Uh, awesome. She had this huge, huge book. And just even second, third grade, even though we could read ourselves, she would read to us. And that's an experience that has stayed with me forever. I always think, and I think back when The Wizard of Oz comes out, I think, I remember when my teacher used to read that book. Wow, that's a beautiful story. Just show the power of influence teachers have on their students. It's just amazing. They can change their lives. You know, you can. And, and on that point, just a quick one. You know, just like I told you, we grow, we grow things in my classroom. We might grow plants. We might grow tomatoes or green beans. So often there were times that I was frustrated and I didn't believe or didn't feel like I was having that much of an influence on my students. There were a few times I have a friend that lives right around the corner from the school. She said, no, she said, you don't understand. She said, these kids that were running up and down the street and were doing these things. She said, they're in their backyard planting gardens. Wow. She said, they told their parents, we want to do this at home. She said, they're there, they're planning things, they're doing things, they're talking to their, they're talking, they're getting the parents to have conversations with them. This so is so I inspiring. felt really good about that. Yeah. And, and I think we can, we can all do it. And I think that's an encouragement for other teachers when you feel so frustrated and you don't think you're making a difference. Know that there, there's something going on at home that you, you don't see. That is a beautiful way to end this episode. I just love it. I love how you worded it. And yes, Teachers are, are amazing. They have so much influence. And I'm, I'm quite certain most of them are not aware of how influential they are to not just the student, the broader community. Yes. So, Sally, thank you so much for sharing your inspiring uh, work and uh, sharing with other teachers how they can go about it and give them the confidence to, to try and push the boundaries of our system because you can do that. Thank you so much for having me and giving me this opportunity to do that. And I'm really hoping that this episode will, incur will encourage other people to just stretch outside just a little bit. Exactly. Start with small steps, small, easy step, and, and take it further and further as you go. Exactly.
Wonderful. Thank you so much, Sally. Okay, thank you again for having me and you have a good evening. <laughs> Bye. Bye.